especially the, the last three or four weeks, I, I just think it's apropos that, that all these Supreme Court rulings are coming down during Pride Month. I think this is... Um, I, th- I think these are just the little moments. Maybe I'm reading too much into this, but I think these are just little moments where, where God is just saying, you know, I'm still in charge. Do what you want. Say what you want, but I'm still in charge. But a couple of these that have been very big <clears throat> for us in, um, as a nation, I believe. There, there's actually a bunch. The, uh, the, the, post, the postal thing, the loan forgiveness, there's been a lot of stuff that has happened um, with this, but but two big ones here. Here's one of them: is that the, the Supreme Court um, really kind of gutted the um, the affirmative action within colleges kind of mentality. Um, and this started with uh, Harvard. They, so <clears throat> so affirmative action. I'm not a fan of affirmative action uh, at, uh, under any circumstance because what affirmative action says is that this person does not have the ability to accomplish this within themselves. And so the government, the, the, the nice, big, benevolent government is going to come alongside and fix all these things for people that are not either smart enough or connected enough or, or, or nice enough. It doesn't matter. Well, then what? So, so then um, <clears throat> this has always kind of been pushed against um, Asian groups. And... Uh, and if, if you're going to, this, this was an attack really, when, this, when the Supreme Court overturned this, this was about Amendment 14. Amendment 14 is equal protection under the law, right? And so the Asian groups had, used to have the ability to have some financial aid and different things like that along with an affirmative action mentality. But then a lot of the Asian groups that uh, started excelling way beyond all, everybody else and, uh, and, and part of the reason is that three-year-old, three-year-olds in, in some Asian countries, you know, they're already playing um, Bach, and, and we're hoping our, our kids tie their shoes, you know, that kind of thing. And so <clears throat> they were excelling at all kinds of things. So Harvard said, well, we're going to stop uh, letting, uh, giving any kind of priority or affirmative action mentality priority toward any of the Asian groups, because now, see, it started out Asian groups, um, different minority groups, uh, white people, right? That was the sections. And then all of a sudden, it's like white people, minority groups, Asians. And they do so well in all these different things. Because it's their culture, it's their, it's their parents, it's all of this stuff put together. And so uh, the Asians sued and said, because they weren't being allowed to be let in the school anymore. They weren't given any kind of priority, and they were actually being prioritized against in the process. And so the Supreme Court said, well, let's just do away with affirmative action at the collegiate level. Not completely, but mostly. Um, and this is good. This is good for all kinds of things. I'll tell you one thing that, that uh, Thomas Sowell was always very intelligent about uh, this and, and bringing this out. He said, the problem is, is you, you say affirmative action, let's, so let's let somebody that does not have the scores high enough to get into Harvard, but you let them into Harvard anyway. The chances are they're going to fail out because they didn't have the scores to get in. But let them go to a, like a, 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 a dumb school or something like um, uh, Ohio or something like that, <laughs> and, <clears throat> and they'll do just fine, Right? So, so this idea of affirmative action, the Supreme Court really, 
uh, attacked against that. And this has been good. This has been very good uh, for our country in a lot of ways. And eventually, hopefully, we really just start gutting affirmative action in every setting, not just the collegiate setting, because it is extremely harmful for our country. And it doesn't matter what somebody's skin color is or where they come from or anything. If they have the ability to excel at that level, let's let them in. Let's not look at any of the other qualifiers. Can you excel? Okay, we're going to let you in here. And just leave it at that. Don't even ask, don't even ask for uh, uh, ethnic status or anything. Don't even ask the question. Just look at scores and, and, and proof of what they've done. <clears throat> and then just let it uh, fall where they may. Another, <clears throat> uh, another this, I, think this one's, I think this one's probably the biggest one that's come down uh, this month. And this is <clears throat> Lori Smith of uh, 303 Creative. She is the one that uh, was doing the websites, and um, the LGBT group said, well, you have to do websites for what we want here. And she said, no, I, I own my own company. I can do what I want. This is, this is uh, lockstep with um, Jack Phillips, the cake baker. And uh, this went all the way to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court ruled, um, I think just two or three days ago, the Supreme Court ruled... Uh, in favor of Lori, that if you own your own business, you have the right to do what you want with that business. <clears throat> that you have, I mean, this, this, this should be common sense. Um, in fact, my wife said a statement that when she first said it, I, I understand, we were talking about it and she was reading some about it, and then she said, um, that's right, put on a shirt. I said, what? What are you talking about? She said, no, no, you know, no shoes, no shirt. No service. I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. Okay, that's it. I, I, she was just sitting over there mumbling to her. So, yeah, that's right. You just put on a shirt. You know, so. But, but here is, did you forget that? Oh, okay. <clears throat> but but this, is, this is very good because now it's, it basically says, and for any one of you in here that own your own business or anything, you have the right to refuse service to anyone. <clears throat> now, if you do it because you're a mean person, you won't have a business very long. That's common sense. If, if, if you're doing this because you like to, to prejudice against a certain group of people, then you're going to go out of business. But to say, oh, you have to do this and you have to do this, um, Jack didn't bake the cake because of his religious beliefs. Um, Lori didn't uh, want to, to do the websites because of her religious belief. And I'm so proud of both. I, I've... Met Jack. Um, he's made cakes for Bob's Thursday morning group a handful of times. Um, and I know Lori. In fact, my political website was done by Lori. And uh, I, I'm proud of both of those people. And, and for Lori just fighting this thing all the way, just being, just staying in there and fighting this. Guys, this is the things that change our country for the good. People like you and I just saying, nope, I'm done. I'm fighting this one. Not going to let it just slide. I'm going to fight this one. So <clears throat> just, just proud of, um, of uh, that whole thing. This, always, this also is uh, fireworks season. So last week I mentioned that some of the retired community uh, doesn't do much and that they need to get out and um, work at the fireworks stands. I got a little pushback on that, <clears throat> that apparently, okay, retired people do things. So... So I guess I was wrong about that, except it just, I thought this was interesting that 
Why did you have so much time to push back on me? Why? Because you're not doing anything. That's why. Go out to the fireworks stand and do stuff. There. I'm taking a stand. I'm taking a stand against. I'm taking a stand against whatever this is. I'm taking a stand against. I, I do want to just just throw this out here, just as a reminder. Um, I you know I think we know this for the most part, but it's amazing. It, it, here's a fun little activity that'll discourage you deeply. Um, Go online and uh, just Google statistics or however you want to say it, but Google something about um, <clears throat> Gen Z and knowing why we celebrate July 4th. You might be surprised at how much of Gen Z does not know what July 4th is about. What are we, what are we doing? What are we celebrating? <laughs> The, uh, the independence of our country, the separation from a tyrannical leader, and oh, by the way, we fought for this with guns. And so th- this is a reality, right? If you're going to have freedom, you're going to have to fight for it, and you're going to have to continue to fight for it. It's not always with guns, but it's in the marketplace, it's with people, it's with, it's with conversations, that this is about our independence, about our freedom, and, our, and we're losing our country right now. Uh, we're losing our freedoms. We're losing a lot of stuff because we're forgetting what the, what the big things are about. Life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. Those are the big things. We've got to stay in there. God made all those things, by the way. God made life. You and I don't make life. We help, but we don't make life. God gives us freedoms. You can't get free. Government doesn't give freedoms. In fact, we took a poll of this within, um, not a poll is not the right way to say it. We had conversations with uh, some of the Democrats in the House about freedoms, and they really believe, they say it out loud, they believe your freedom comes from the government. <clears throat> There's only one thing the government can do is take away your freedom. They can't give you freedom. You're born free. Uh, freedom is something that God gives you. And, uh, and the only thing entities, governments, and people can do is take it away. So... So just think about that when you're eating the hot dogs and the hamburgers and popping fireworks and all that kind of stuff. Um, your freedom comes from, from God. It really does. And we have been given that and blessed with that in America because of the people that put this country together. And we need to, to remember that and stand for it and believe in that. So so looking at um, this uh, combination, this uh, balance, not combination, but a balance between comforting and suffering, that uh, God comforts us, and the reason he comforts us is because we suffer. We go through difficult things, and what that looks like, and, and then, you know, how does he comfort us? Philippians 4 says he brings peace into our minds and our hearts, um, our minds, the way we think, and our hearts, the way we feel, and it's in Jesus that he does that, and the Holy Spirit brings this peace, which is beyond natural understanding, and, and many, if not every one of us in here has, has experience God's peace at a specific moment when you realize this really is supernatural. I can't get that peace myself. I can't create this or, or whatever. Um, so some of the things, that some of the whys, I guess, that the Lord comforts us, he comforts us so we can comfort others, uh, so we can stay focused on serving the Lord so that we understand his love for us. Um, and here's a big one, because he's just our heavenly father that cares about us and wants to comfort us. He doesn't like it when you're going through difficult things. He doesn't always immediately take away the difficult things, 
Because sometimes, well, sometimes we get ourselves in those problems. Uh, sometimes we, we don't get ourselves in there, but we are um, learning and growing and maturing, and God is showing us things. But here's one of the biggest things, I think this kind of other arena, is that whether we got ourselves into the problem or not, and God is eventually going to get us out of whatever, I think we struggle in the middle of, of situations knowing how to interact with first the situation and how we interact with God in the middle of that situation to actually, um, to actually uh, uh, eliminate the problems in the situation so that, so that the Lord's comfort does come to us. I think we struggle with ourselves on, uh, on things. I think first we get ourselves into problems, and then we don't really know how to get it out, our, ourselves out. And the more we fight, the worse it gets. Right? The more we fight, the more entangled within the, the uh, stuff mentally, emotionally, spiritual, all the different things physically that happens there. And I, I also think that, <clears throat> excuse me, that we have been convinced in America, in American Christianity, and this, by the way, has, has moved to different places around the world in Christianity because uh, the church has such influence. But we have, we have built, and we've worked hard for a few, quite a few decades right now, we've built a Christianity that is... That is um, that is designed around the concept of lack of suffering is good Christianity. That if we're suffering, it's because the Lord is not deeply in our life or we're not serving him somehow. And if we're really going to serve Jesus, then we're going to do this. Um, we're going to do this without suffering. The, 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 the better Christian we are, the less we suffer. Well, that's actually the opposite of what Scripture says. The more we walk in the Lord, the more potential we have for suffering, not less. Because why? There's a conflict that is happening. There's a spiritual conflict between God and Satan. Satan has declared war on God, and God has basically said, hit me with your best shot, you got nothing, right? And so there's this war. But the, the middle ground is Satan is fighting for our souls. Not because he wants our souls, he just doesn't want God to have us. He doesn't want God to have a relationship with us and for us to spend eternity with God. And he hates God that much that he will fight against us so much. That's the war, and that's why they're suffering. When you stand up for Jesus, Satan is going to do everything he can to cause some kind of problem, some kind of situations in your life. And I would go so far as to say if you, if you don't have any element of uh, suffering, and I'm not saying things like um, physical ailments and stuff, um, that's a different concept when it comes to God healing us and doing all those kind of things. I'm saying just issues and, and, and pressures and tragedies and things in your life that, that, that Satan will try to use those things to get you to stop serving God. He will, he will try to bring suffering into your life to try to get you to stop serving God, but um, the, the, when we stand in God, God's the one that's in charge of all of that, and that's where the comfort comes from. That's where he, he fixes the stuff in our life, Right? Um, in, the, in the assemblies of God around the rest of the world, specifically in Africa, suffering and um, sacrifice are actually considered part of their theological foundation. We do not have that in American church thinking. And in the assemblies of God in America, we do not have that as one of our 16 beliefs, our 16 fundamental beliefs, this idea of suffering and sacrifice. Now, Jesus was the final sacrifice, so you don't have to sacrifice for a relationship. But if you think about this, and, and I think you can grab this pretty quickly, the more we serve God and the, more, the closer we get to the Lord, isn't there, isn't there a part of your existence that wants to sacrifice for him sometimes? You want to do something for him? 
you want to give yourself to him? You, you, you know, it's like, it's like with, with your spouse or your children. You know, sometimes you just want to. I, 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 I experience this so much. Specifically, I, I love Christmas and I love giving um, my kids gifts and all that kind of stuff at Christmas. And there was times when Linda and I really, really sacrificed so our kids could have like a, a PlayStation or something that everybody else was going to have. Right? We didn't have the money. But there's something about that when the kids open the gift, they're like, this is the coolest. Thanks, Dad. You're awesome. You know, you, you don't get that often, so you, you look for that. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, you, and you can buy it. You can buy it. <laughs> Just so you know. Fathers, you know I'm telling the truth. You can buy it. Um, but just that, that mentality, you know, that you sacrifice. Well, I like to do that with the Lord, too. Lord, what, what can I do? What can I do for you? It's not like God's got this, you know, I want you to do this, and I'll give you bonus points or something like that. It's not, it's not ours, but don't you just want to sacrifice sometime and just say, God, I just, you give so much to me. What can I give back? And you know what he really wants from you, right? It's you. He just wants you. He doesn't need you to do stuff and all that. But for me, sometimes I want to sacrifice. And here's another thing, which is I'm, I'm not as much of a fan of, but when you're going through difficult things, recognizing that you are suffering because of Christ, that's an important thing too. Not because you made bad decisions, but when you're actually suffering for Christ, that's a big thing too. We're, we're supposed to um, go into that with our eyes wide open saying, God, I thank you for this, but we don't do that very well. Right, and I think sometimes that's why we struggle with the comfort thing. So, Second Corinthians chapter one, <clears throat> you're going to see how Paul is going back and forth between this comfort and suffering kind of thing, and then also showing you some deeper parts of of who he is. In fact, as we get a little bit further down in this little set of scripture, I think this is one of the times when Paul was really dealing with such anguish and even depression kind of mentalities that he didn't know what to do. It was too big for him. Um, years ago, it was almost 20 years ago, I, I dealt with a time where I was dealing with depression. And I, I do a sermon series about that every now and then, um, wh- where, where depression comes from, how it happens, how the Holy Spirit can fix that, and all these kind of things. Um, and I know for me, I, I built a nice paradigm, a nice world uh, that guaranteed I was going to go into depression. I put all the elements there. I put all the details there. And then I, I, and I didn't see it coming. I didn't plan that on purpose. Very rarely do people plan on going into depression. But we do things and we, we set ourselves up. And then in the middle of it, we don't know how to get out because we keep doing the same things that we did that set it up kind of stuff. And, uh, and, and we, I think we see Paul doing this here. And so starting in verse 3, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Just the fact that he starts this off with that, I think, is huge. God is our merciful Father and source of our comfort, of all comfort. That comfort comes from God, that peace that goes beyond understanding that comes from God. You can get those things in uh, natural stuff too, but but God is, I mean, that's one of the names for the Holy Spirit is the comforter. He comforts, that that he comes into our existence. He says, he comforts us in all our trouble, troubles so that we can comfort others. That's one of the first things when it comes to this we, we need to process. 
I don't think God puts us through difficult things sometimes. I mean, he does. But not everything that you go through came from God. Sometimes it came from you. Uh, sometimes it's because we live in a broken, sinful world. Okay, there's a lot of reasons we go through difficult things. Just because it's a, a difficult thing, this is also important to note. Just because it's a difficult thing doesn't mean it automatically came from Satan. Um, or that God did this somehow, right? Sometimes, Scripture says it rains on the just and unjust. Sometimes you're just a snail um, getting salt poured on you because you live in a salty world. I, I don't know if that works, but I just, that just came into my head. I don't know. Some of you realize how completely amazing that is, and you're writing that down now. So, when we're, he comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. Some of you have been, well, all of us have been through stuff, right? Some of the, most of the stuff we're, we go through are not that big of a deal. We complain and we get upset and, you know, it's kind of our first century, first century, our, our first world problems kind of thing. Um, but we complain, we get upset, all this. But really, most of our life is not that crazy bad, Okay. Just, just go to another country, specifically a third world country, and you'll realize it's not that bad. It's just not. Um, I was, I'm going to be heading to India probably November, Thanksgiving-ish time. And, uh, and I was talking to my oldest son in South Texas. I want him to go with me and for his church to send him. And uh, he said, yeah, but Dad, I don't want to go to India. I said, Why? It's dirty. You know what? He's right. And the smells are off the charts no matter where you go. Some good, some bad, some really bad. But here's the thing is I, I think every single American should figure out a way to get out of America and head to a third world country for a little missions trip or do something. You see how the rest of the world really lives. We have it so good in America that sometimes we don't even know what suffering is. At the same time, there are those major moments that come in our lives, you know, those handful of moments for our whole life that are very, very difficult. They, they break our heart, almost break our soul, mess with our mind. And God says, you can comfort somebody else that's been through that. You can comfort others. And even, even the not-so-bad things, you can comfort others. The, the, what life always presents, you can comfort others. I, I think about this because this is one of the coolest things that I see. And, 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 and I could give multiple examples of different other things too, but this is one category. When, um, <clears throat> when uh, young women get pregnant... And how some of the older women will kind of come around them and say, you know, you can do this. You can handle this. Especially on their first one, right? Because for, for most women on their first pregnancy, it's the worst of any pregnancy on the planet has ever existed. And some of the older women that have had two or three or ten or however many babies, they come alongside and say, you know what, you can do this. It's horrible. But you can do this. Yes, you're, you're growing to the size of a small hippopotamus, but you can do this. <laughs> we're walking, 
Guys, I'm not saying it. The, the women are saying it. I, I, I just said a woman comes to another woman and says this. Stay with me. This is, this is why it's difficult to pastor, you guys. <laughs> he comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. Look at this. When we are troubled, we'll be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. And some of you here, you know how deeply that can, you can have that in your experience and your existence. And when you come alongside somebody else and you walk with them through that, how God can bring healing at levels that you cannot accomplish in the natural. Because God is has walked with you through it, and you can explain that in a way maybe somebody else cannot. And that then now they're being comforted, now they're being walked with. <clears throat> for the more we suffer for Christ, and that's the key, suffering for Christ. We do suffer, oftentimes we do suffer just because we're in this planet, and we do suffer because we make mistakes, right? But when we're suffering for Christ... So, so think about this. Jesus dies on the cross. Why? So that you and I can be forgiven. So we can be made right with God. So we can be covered with the blood of Jesus. Made right with God. That causes conflict. It causes conflict in the spiritual realm, which Satan will then make sure can cause conflict in the physical realm. So when we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ, even when we are weighed down with troubles, it is, your comfort, it is for your comfort and salvation. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. And this is Paul talking about when, when the Holy Spirit comes and comforts him, his team, that then he passes that along with understanding and he comforts others in the process. Now look, about, look, about, uh, look, look at how the rest of this uh, goes down here because this is the part where it says it talks about the deeper issues that Paul went through and I really believe I, the, the first time I ever saw this was when I was going through um, that depression years ago and I realized what Paul was talking about here it's the same verbalization as what I was going through okay and I think he was I think he was to the end of his rope and I think he explains that here so so we think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. Now, he is about to talk about physically, the potential for physical death, but that language right there is not talking about physical death. He is not talking about some kind of physical attack against him and his crew. Look at it again. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. That's emotional and mental. That's, that's the pressures of life. And we thought we would never live through it. Then he says this in, in just the physical realm. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, and this, this, the next part also shows me he's not just talking about physical danger, which I think was included, but he's not just talking about physical danger. He says... But as a result, a result of what? Being crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to, to endure. As a result of that, we stopped relying on ourselves. That's huge. I would have just assumed, I mean, Paul's the great missionary, the great 
uh, writer of most of the New Testament, all that stuff. Why didn't? Why wasn't Paul already uh, re- not relying on himself? Because he's a human, just like you and I. And you go through life, and day after day, and you start relying on yourself, not because it's a bad thing, but because that that's that that's natural human nature. I'm going to take care of life myself. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this, and that's not bad. In fact, I, I had an older guy at the. Uh, uh, one of the fireworks stands, tell me, he said, hey, uh, do you realize if, if Gen Z ever takes over this country, we're okay? I was like, what? What are you talking about? And he said, they're too lazy. We'll take it right back. It's no big deal. <laughs> and I defended you guys. I was like, sir, please stop saying things like that. Or something like that. It was similar to that. But... You know, we, we, we learn you're supposed to rely on yourself for circumstances, but because God has given you the plan of action, right? You're not really relying on you. You're relying on God because it's his plan. You just do what he tells you to do. Do it. Be strong about it, but do what he tells you to do. You don't just live according to your thinking. And, and so part of what is causing the crushing and the overwhelming beyond their ability to endure is apparently they were relying on themselves too much instead of leaning on the Lord. And Paul says, we stopped relying on ourselves and we learned, that means process, We learn to rely only on God. And then he throws this nice little disclaimer in there, just as a a confidence booster, that we learn to rely only on God who raises the dead. That's a pretty good confidence booster when you're processing the stuff, right? And he did rescue us from our mortal danger. That's, That's physical, And he will rescue us again. But the language is also including this mental, emotional through the whole thing and the fact that they were lying on themselves, which is decision, which is relationships, which is mental and emotional direction in the middle of the stuff. Paul was admitting that they had relied on themselves too much. And that's some of where their their crushing and their overwhelming came from. But you know what Jesus' answer is? that's okay, I'll still comfort you. I'll still help you. I'll still walk with you through it. Even if you get uh, into trouble yourself, God can still help you out of that trouble. My daughter showed me this meme, and, <clears throat> and um, this week, and immediately Linda said, you need to send that to, to your older brother, our, our oldest. And, um, but the meme was, God took into account when he gave you his plan, he took into account your level of stupidity. (laughs) That may be funny, but for me, that's also spiritually profound. Thank you, Lord, because my level of stupidity can be very high sometimes. But but he still loves us. He's still got a plan. He still comes around us and, and carries us and wraps his arms around us and comforts us. He still gives us the direction. He still shines the light a little brighter because it gets a little dim sometimes. We get dim, not him. He still loves us and he's going to take care of us. And he says, he did rescue us. We have placed our confidence in him and he will continue to rescue us. When you, when, the more you learn, as he says, to rely on God, 
the more he will rescue you because you're putting yourself into those places easier. You're putting yourself into submission. It's easier for the Lord to rescue you when, when you go along willingly. It's hard for the Lord to rescue you when you're fighting him the whole time. He can rescue you if you stop swinging at him. And we do this as Christians. You are helping us by praying for us. So important, so important that you pray. Pray for your family. Pray for you. I, I, I've mentioned this before, but <clears throat> this is so strong in my spirit. I pray for my kids and my two grandkids, but I pray for my, my five kids the most of anything. I pray, I pray. And, the, and it comes from me. It comes from for, the mentality comes from Job. Right? When God says, um, when Satan says, well, what about Job? And, and, and they talk about Job at the first chapter of the book of Job. And it talks about how Job is always sacrificing for his children just in case. That's the way the scripture says it. Just in case they do something wrong. Right? I plead God's blood and his plan over my children. Because it's still my responsibility. I'm telling you, praying for people, that's the most important thing. And I, and, I, and I pray, God, I want you to be close to them. I want that closeness, that's, that spiritual sensitivity, that, <clears throat> that, they, that you wake them up at night, and all they can do is just worship you. That kind of thing, right? We had a little gathering of, of uh, people that pray for us uh, as representatives in the house, a few of us. And, um, and there's quite a group of people that pray for us. And I told them, I can't, please don't ever quit. They, they may not realize, but they are the reason that I can go back to that, to that uh, capital day after day. Because there's sometimes I'm like, nope, not going. And it's people praying, and I can sense it. I can feel that. I can, when, I'm, when I'm speaking in the, in the, on the floor of the house, I can... I can feel that. I don't even know how to describe that, but I can feel people's praying. I can feel that. Um, you need to be praying for people, and people need to be praying for you. Statistically, there's quite a few people in this room that would say, the reason that you are a Christian today is because somebody, and you know who it was, prayed for you. Grandma, mom, uncle, somebody prayed for you. And that's why you're a Christian today. Many people have that testimony. Matthew chapter 16, then Jesus said to his disciples, verse 24, if any of you wants to be my follower. So think about this. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? What do you think it means to be a follower of Jesus? What are the things that are defined for you when you say to yourself, be a follower of Jesus? Because if we're not careful, we start putting all of the things, and these are part of it, that these are not to be taken away or mistaken, but we, we put the things that we do, like go to church and, and um, read the Bible and pray, and those, those are all part of this. But if we're not careful, we can actually let that supplant being a follower of Jesus without realizing it. You, you, can, you can hinder your Christian walk because you're doing enough Christian things. You do enough Christian things, and you, you're you like your life. It's good. You know you're not a bad guy and, and you're following the Lord. But what does that really mean from Jesus' mentality of following the Lord? Not, not your and I mentality. Because think about this. Who is he saying this to? 
First few, verse, first few words. Then Jesus said to his disciples, do you realize they followed him every day, everywhere he went? Every single day where he went, they went with him. That was what a disciple did. If Jesus got up and started walking, they all got up and started walking. You know, sometimes he had to say, I'm just going to the bathroom. Because, you know, they're all just, just right there with him. And he says to the people that follow him, everywhere he goes, all day long, every day, he says to them, if you want to be my followers, so apparently just walking around behind Jesus is not enough to be a follower. And I would say that doing all of the Christian things are not necessarily a guarantee that you're following Jesus. When you are following Jesus, you'll be doing those things. But look at what he says. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. He, just, he starts with the big stuff right up front. You've got to stop doing your world. You've got to start doing my world. Stop doing your plan. Stop doing your will. Stop doing your goals and all this other stuff. I sat and listened to a podcast this last week of... Um, these two guys, I respect them both, uh, and they were talking about uh, having goals in life and your core values and all these different things. And um, and they never mention their and their one of them at least is a strong Christian leader. They never mentioned Jesus. I know what they were trying to accomplish, so I'm not trying to be too critical. They were talking like business stuff, but even in business, shouldn't Jesus be the core principle? I mean, think about that. Because if we're not careful, we can work so hard for our plan and our will and our life and what we want it to look like that we're not actually following Jesus. We're, and I'm not saying whether we're a Christian or not. I don't want to go that far. I don't know exactly where that line is there. But at some point, this is your Christianity, right? Are we following Jesus? Are we actually going his plan his way instead of our way? And I think, as at least for me, I think you have to constantly be addressing that. I don't think you ever get to the end of that and go, okay, finally, now I'm doing all of the, the, the it's totally Jesus's way. I think give yourself 45 minutes and you'll be trying to figure out how to get your way again. That's the way it works for me. I have to constantly be coming back. Jesus, am I doing what you've asked me to do? I don't want to miss this. Specifically in major, you know, layers of life, I want to make sure, Jesus, am I doing what you want me to do? Am I following you? I pray that about my marriage. I was praying that last night about my marriage. Lord, I want to be who you want me to be. She's not trying. I got to do it all. <laughs> now, she tries. She tries. You try. But I was, just, I was just laying there thinking to myself, Lord, I don't want to just take for granted. We've been married 32 plus years. I don't want to just take for granted that I'm the husband I'm supposed to be. Right? In fact, for some of you guys that have been married for a while, it's easier to get in ruts that you are doing it your own way and you never even process anymore whether or not they're okay with this or not. You even process because you've been doing it so long. Oh, we're good. Have you even asked the other person? You ought to ask them. It's, I, don't, I don't know if I want to encourage that, but you, you, you should think about asking them. Because they may tell you. That's what's scary, right? 
Am I I being the husband you want me to be? And then she says, well, I I have a list. (laughs) You know, right? He says, if you give up, I'm sorry, let me back up. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up on your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. A cross is what you die on. That's Romans 12, 1, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. And I've seen this so many times over the years. You will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? How important is that sentence? You build the biggest business or legacy or whatever you think is important to you. But if you've lost your soul in the process, what's the point? What's, what good is it? It's, this is about you and God and your soul, your existence, your life. If you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Give, you give yourself up to Christ, and it's amazing what he can do. And again, this is incremental. I don't think, this is a, this, I don't, I don't think it's a one-time decision to say, okay, I give my life to Jesus. And then everything works out after that. That's not, that's not even remotely scriptural. But even the concept of surrendering, the, the song that we sang, both songs, I am available and here's my heart, Lord. That's the mindset. I'm available for what you want me to do, Lord. I'm available. You speak it, I'll do it. Here's my heart. I give you my heart. Why? Because to be available, he has to have us. He has to have our heart. What does that mean? Well, I'm I'm surrendering myself to your plan, not my own will, which is what he says, but to follow his will, to follow his plan. Is anything worth more than your soul? For the Son of Man will come with his angels in the glory of his Father and will judge people according to their deeds. That's a whole other message and and many messages is that we will be judged according to what we do, do and, and don't do. We're going to be judged according to that. But have we, have we given ourselves, have we surrendered ourselves to the Lord? Have we, have we sacrificed ourselves on his altar and said, Lord, I'm now a living sacrifice for you. I'm yours. What do you want to do? He says, I tell you the truth. <clears throat> Some standing here right now will not die before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And that is, that's a whole nother mentality of messages and things. But basically saying... That, that he, we're looking toward his kingdom coming. That's the point of this. We're looking toward his kingdom coming. That's why I do what I do. That's why I live the way I live. Because I'm looking forward to his kingdom. That's, that's why we act the way we act. That's why we say what we say. Because why? We're looking forward to his kingdom. We're serving Jesus. It's not my life. It's not my existence. Three things. Number one, as Christians, we will suffer. When you're serving Jesus, you're going to suffer. <clears throat> Again, because there's a conflict. There is conflict that happens. If you're truly standing up for Jesus, there's going to be conflict. This is a war. This is a, a comp- uh, every day we're fighting battles in this big war that Satan is trying to destroy and, and Jesus is trying to bring life. That's John 10.10. 10. And we're fighting, we're fighting, fighting. That means there's going to be problems. There's going to be suffering. There's going to be stuff that comes along the way. And sometimes, sometimes you're going to make decisions or you need to make decisions that go against your personal enjoyment. I know that's not very popular in today's Christian thinking. It's all about our enjoyment. 
It's all about being happy and all this stuff. But sometimes you're going to have to make decisions. No, this isn't about what I want. It's about what the Lord wants. And so I've got to, sometimes I have to say no to this so that the Lord can do this in my life. That's, that's because we're humans. We're not in the garden anymore. We're, we're broken. And, and sometimes we just have to push against what temporary enjoyment may be for something because Satan is telling us that's most important. As Christians, we're going to suffer. And here's another part of this is some people are not going to like your stand on certain things and your decisions. That's why you're going to suffer for some reasons. That would be some of the reasons that you suffer is because somebody doesn't like the stand that you're taking. And it makes them feel bad or convicts them or whatever the case is. Now, make sure that you're not pushing that into their world. But I'll give you an example. I, there's um, <clears throat> there's a, a few representatives that uh, serve with me in the house that before they make a decision, they'll come and ask me about it. Now, some of them, they've already done their homework, and they really are just wanting to know kind of how I'm processing. How am I going to vote on this? But some of them have not done any of their homework. That's why they're coming to ask me this question. And they don't know really what the bill's about. They don't know this. And uh, they'll come to me and say, why are you, why, how are you going to vote on this? And most of the time, most of the time, my answer is I'm going to vote no. That is, in fact, the one article somebody did about me, they called me Scott No Bottoms. And I thought, I, I'm okay with that. <clears throat> I'm going to got a bottom. That's not what they're talking about. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> was that a line? Was that the line? I don't know. So... So they'll come to me and say, why are you going to vote? And I'll say, I'm going to vote no, and this is the reason. And then they'll get upset at me for the reason. Well, why? Yeah, exactly. Why would you ask? If you're going to get upset at me, and you ask, why am I? Not, I'm not telling you to vote this way. I'm saying this is how I'm going to vote, and this is why. Because I've done my homework, and I know how this is going to hurt people and kids and all families and all kinds of stuff, and so I'm going to no, vote no. One of the most common answers is Amendment 14 that I mentioned earlier, equal protection under the law. This is not equal protection. This is harmful to our, our state and business and all kinds of stuff. And I'm like, oh, you, are you, so you're going to vote that way? Yes, I just said that. And then they'll be mad at me. And, and I've told them before, don't ask me if you are just going to get upset. Because here's the thing. I've already done my homework. I don't care what your answer is. So don't ask me. But guys, you're going to have that. You'll have people at work that when you, when you make a decision, it makes them feel bad. And they won't, they won't like that. They'll, they'll push back against you. Specifically, if it's a moral decision that you're making and it's, and it's not like a normal what society would think, they're going to push back a little bit. That's okay. It's okay. You're going to suffer sometimes as a Christian. Second thing, suffering and comfort go together in Christ. When you suffer, the Lord will comfort you. He'll, he'll as Psalms 91 says, he'll cover you with his, his uh, wings. He'll comfort you. He will pull you in close. So expect that. Um, now, you don't, you don't have to create suffering I know people that do this. They like conflict and they create suffering. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying suffering for Christ. Sometimes we make bad decisions and we suffer. Don't, don't create problems. Um, and even on the sacrificing side, you understand if you're sacrificing for the Lord, it's not because you need something from God or, for, or because that's your salvation or something. That's not what I'm talking about. But sometimes you need to sacrifice as a Christian. 
Um, I know some groups of people, when we pastored, our first church we pastored as lead pastors was here in Colorado, southeastern Colorado. There's a little city down there by the name of Kim, Colorado, and I don't know if they do this still, but they used to. They would have, the, these people would take these yucca plants with little thorns on them, and they would have this for like a Lent mentality. Um, it was a Catholic group, but they'd gone off, they'd kind of gone off a little bit. And uh, they, would, they would do this little march and whip themselves with these yucca plants. Well, that's, that, that's creating your own suffering. Jesus died on the cross. You don't need your blood to be shed. He's already got it. He's already taken care of that. But sometimes you do suffer because of situations. Don't create your own. The third thing is your soul is in the balance. And I don't think we put enough emphasis on this stuff sometimes. We don't think, this is one of the things that always used to get me about, and this, I started seeing this 20, 25 years ago, and it's still very popular today, where, where pastors will say something like, um, in fact, the very first time I ever heard it was a pastor that used to pastor in this town. And, uh, and he would always say, talking about sin, he would say, well, that's not God's best plan for your life. That's, no. That's not God's at all plan for your life. Sin destroys you. It kills you. It takes life away from you. This idea that, well, don't, you know, don't mess around with sin because it's just not a good idea. No, it does have eternal significance. Your soul is in the balance. You don't play around with sin because Scripture says it separates you from God. And so keep in mind, your soul is in the balance on these things. When it comes to how we look at God and whether we're willing to take a stand and knowing that that's going to bring suffering, but the Lord's going to comfort us. You've got all this stuff going on. Remember, this is a spiritual decisions that you're talking about. It's not just physical, natural decisions. And there's accountability for this on a spiritual level. Why don't you stand with me? So I want to put this into two categories. The first one <clears throat> I want us to pray about is to, is to make kind of a declaration to ourselves um, and to God that, that we are declaring to God, God, I, I, um, I, I am resolved that I am going to follow you even if that means suffering. That I'm making the decision now to surrender to you, even if that can potentially bring suffering on the horizon. Which, by the way, every single one of us in here will suffer in our future. You're going to go through stuff. That's, that's the point of being a pastor for me, is helping people through the stuff. We're going to suffer. Guys, as humans, we're going to suffer. But if you make the decision now, today, God, no matter what happens, I'm not going to rely on myself. I'm going to learn from Paul. I don't have to go through the stuff. I can watch Paul and I can learn from that. I'm not going to rely on me. I resolve that. And I'm not going to want to run away from suffering. That's the first category. So, so let's just pray about that right now. God, we submit ourselves to you. Jesus, I make the choice right now. I choose right now that I will stand for you under all circumstances, even if I see that it will cause suffering. Lord, I resolve it in my spirit right now and help me to stand on this. Help me to stand on this. Stand on this today, right now, so that when the stuff happens, I, I, I'm already ready. 
Thank you, Jesus. And I'm not going to run from the issues. I'm not going to run from the difficulties. Just because it becomes more difficult doesn't mean I'm going to run. God, I'm going to I'm going to lean on you, rely on you, not rely on my own self. So God, help me just to make that deep in my spirit. Help me to make that decision, solidify it right now today. God, I believe people all over this room are are at different moments where they're having to decide, do I take a stand, do I not take a stand? God, if you're leading them to take a stand on something, help them, walk with them with your spirit and your power, comfort them through the stuff and let them know that you, that you are walking with them, that they are not doing this alone. Lord, I pray that across marriages, families, pray it across our workplaces. God, you're going to comfort us when we need you, you showed us that. But Lord, we also have to be people that will, are willing to, to deal with suffering that this world doesn't exist to make me happy. This world doesn't exist so that everything goes the way I think it should. Nothing in this world, not my, my marriage, my family, nothing exists so everything goes my way. Lord, help us to see past all those kind of things and just to see you. We're going to rely on you. In the name of Jesus. Now, starting with the first few verses that I read, I want us to comfort each other. There are, there are some of you in here that are, are right in the middle of the suffering. You're right in the middle of the stuff. And you need, you need somebody. You need something. You need some help. And guys, that's why we're here for. That's what the church exists for. That's what the body of Christ is about, is that we comfort each other. Right? And so <clears throat> we want to do that. So if you're saying, I'm right in the middle of something pretty big right now, um, I'd like you just to step out and step into the aisles. I want people to be able to get to you easily. Um, so if you say, I really am struggling with something, just step right into an aisle near you along the back, in front if you need to, whatever. And we're going to have some people gather around you, and we're just going to have them pray for you. I'm going through something. But you don't have to go through it by yourself. You really don't. So, step out. Okay, yeah. All right. Yeah. You know, here's the thing. God knew about it before you got here. God knew about it. And, uh, and he's, already, he's already got the comforting plan, if you want to say it that way. Right, I, I want to rush through this, but anybody else? You're, you're, you're back and forth. Just step out. All right, so um, you guys that are right around them, just gather around them and just begin to pray for them. And you don't have to know the stuff. If they want to tell you the stuff, they can, but you don't have to know what they're going through. What, what you have to know is the God that could comfort them through the process. Right? Lord, we lift them up to you. Jesus, you're the king. You said that, that you sent the comforter to us. Holy Spirit, we recognize that's you. 
So we ask you just to begin to comfort, bring peace into their mind, their spirit. Lord, help them not to to add stress, to agonize, or to try to figure it out in their own mind. Lord, sometimes that's our biggest problem is our own mind. Lord, just bring your peace. Just wash through them with your peace. Cover them with your blood, Jesus. God, we thank you. You know what they're going through. You know how difficult it is on them. You made them. Lord Jesus, I believe you hurt right along with us. So bring that comfort. And God, also if it's a situation that that they can be part of the fix, Lord God, I ask you to, to give them wisdom right now. What they need to do, how they need to do it. Just very, just with your peace, give them the direction that they need to go. God, we thank you for this. We thank you for the fact that you are walking with us through this stuff. We're not by ourselves. You're with us. We acknowledge that. So bring your peace. Bring your spirit, your joy. In Jesus' name. Let us know we are not by ourselves. Put that deep in our spirit. We have you and we have the people around us that you put in our life. Help us not to push against those relationships, but to embrace them, to embrace truth, to embrace relationship built in spirit and in truth. you're the everything. Lord, I ask you that throughout this week, Lord, that you show us different moments, that the, the difference is suffering and comfort, that we see both of those. That we see them around us. Lord, we recognize our opportunities to comfort others. Lord, but we also see the importance of taking a stand and the potential of suffering also. God, we give you ourself, our life. We give you our minds. This isn't my life, it's yours. I lay it down to you. Help me to try, help me to not do this my own way, but to lean on you in Jesus' name. God, show us moments when you're comforting us this week. Make sure that we realize that it's you that's doing this. We're not just feeling a little better, but you're doing it. We thank you. Fill us with you. Fill us with your spirit. Fill us with boldness and a compassion for the lost. Help us to tell somebody about you this week. In Jesus' name. Amen. Before noon tomorrow. God's going to give you the opportunity to let somebody know Jesus loves them. Take the opportunity. God will honor that. He will honor that in your life. He will bless you for that. So tell somebody about Jesus. 
and uh, shake somebody's hand. Tell them how glad you are that they are here. And uh, we will see you Wednesday night. Have a great rest of your day.